Welcome to Logical, the UAE's first and still the only legal podcast too. I'm Tim Elliott. I'm here with the managing partner of the Dubai-based law firm HPL Yamala and Plethka, Ludmilla Yamala. But good to be back again. Nice to see you. Good to see you as well, Tim. Today on Logical, and this is a good one. This is going to be popular. Getting paid, something that's always welcome, but this is very specifically about businesses, traders, service providers, uh, and how to increase the chances of getting invoices paid. So Ludmilla, just to be sat here discussing a topic like this, you're essentially telling me that not everyone pays on time and in full. Indeed, uh, without having said anything that I guess ultimately that is what I would be telling you. (laughs) Well, this is not unexpected or unusual. And um, I guess defaults and payments exist and happen everywhere throughout the world. And as I, I guess as, as long as uh, businesses are dealt by humans, this perhaps will always happen. So this is not an issue that's unusual uh, or unique to um, the UAE businesses. Uh, that being said, perhaps the rate by which um, businesses here often either delay their payment obligations or... Um, or try to renegotiate, or um, outright disregard, uh, perhaps the rate of those incidents here is somewhat higher than uh, in in other perhaps more developed economies or businesses. And this could be to um, a whole variety of of reasons, um, but this is a very... A very dynamic, rapid, uh, and but yet um, recent uh, business environment, or fairly or, or evolving, rapidly evolving environment. So there are a lot of businesses here that set up, hoping that to succeed, and uh, without really having the necessary, necessary experience. Therefore, they commit uh, and uh, and make investments that they ultimately cannot uphold, and, and so on and so forth. So when that happens, obviously they cannot continue with their obligations, and then um, so the, the chain effect uh, follows. Uh, so, but but there are because of that, there are so many more businesses here that seem to either fail uh, or. Uh, that um, the, throughout the process want to renegotiate their terms mm. are all together just disregard, forget, or ignore. What does the law say? If you're a, a business or a trader or a service provider, you raise an invoice, how are you protected from a legislative standpoint? From a legislative state standpoint, it's the same as in most other countries, and that is, um, it's a matter of contract. So if you have, um, well, it's a matter of contract and a matter of law, uh, depending on how, so the, the nature of the transaction. But ultimately, uh, when you sell something to someone or you raise an invoice, or an invoice is also a contract. So whenever you try to provide goods to someone or services, um, that's a contractual relationship. Now that relationship can be uh, can be supported by in one of two ways either by contract so I say okay I uh, Ludmila will provide services to Tim and here is um, the agreement or a service agreement that outlines our terms and conditions uh, or for example I don't uh, we don't have an agreement at all but I give you uh, I give you a, a car my car and um, 
so even without the agreement, it's there is there's a law there to provide or protect my interests, and that is you. Know, I can't unless you're my family member. Why would I ever give you a car? So I guess I gave you a car so that you can give me money for it. So if um, if you didn't give me money, then ultimately that uh, that's um, a form of theft. So I use that example because it's 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 a very real example. It's an actual example. Uh, so because in any kind of business dealing, there has to be consideration. And that is, if I give you a car, that's something of value. And so I have to get some sort of consideration back. And consideration, in, in this case, is used sort of as a legal term of art. So in other words, you have to give me something back for it. Same way, let's say Tim has a business and I don't really have any legally registered interest in that business, but I give you $10,000. And I have a receipt from you that you received $10,000. And there's nothing else between us. So there's no contract that sets out the terms for uh, for uh, my investment in your business or for your repayment of it. Well, in legal terms, and this is not so much in uh, on contract law, but other um, and other commercial law, and that is, well, I gave you something of value. If you didn't give me back anything, then you owe me that value back either by virtue of giving me my car back or giving me that money back, unless we have, unless you have proof that somehow you compensated me for the value I gave you. Right. So, so you see, so there could be a contract and there could be the law. Uh, but um, uh, generally speaking, if you do business, you want to have a clear contract that sets out the terms and obligations of both parties or all the parties concerned. So if I give you uh, the good, then I clearly, my agreement specifies clearly uh, what the price of that good is and um, uh, when, how the form of payment and the term of payment. In other words, okay, do I, do you pay me for that good in one go? And do you pay it to me when I give you delivery of the good? Or do you have, um, do you pay me in installments? And when does the first installment happen? And what happens if one of the installments is late? Uh, and, um, or do you have, do you pay me in one payment, but um, after X number of days, weeks or months? So the grace period. So, I mean, in, in very simple terms, that's what the contract would say. Uh, what happens a lot in businesses, in particular traders, a lot of traders, is that they don't necessarily consider that particular relationship that I just described as a contractual relationship. So they say, I just have an invoice. Well, invoice is a contract. But also because in their businesses, for whatever reason, they just use that invoice perhaps as almost the only agreement between the parties. So they say, well, this is all I have. This is just an invoice. And there I, the invoice is, let's say, if I provide you uh, goods, uh, say potatoes uh, or bread, and um, um, it's, let's say 5,000 dirhams. And I give you that invoice. And that's all, that's, that's the only document that exists between you've signed on to that invoice. And that's the only document that exists. Well, it's that document is a contract. And unfortunately, what happens a lot in businesses here is that uh, the particular contract does not include some of the necessary language that would help both parties in terms of managing their expectations and then ultimately outlining their rights and obligations and uh, uh, recourse for them to, to challenge or to, uh, to demand performance. Uh, so let's say I provided you my bread and I gave you an invoice for 1,000 dirhams. You received that bread and I gave you the bread without having gotten paid. And then you haven't paid me my 1,000 dirhams. 
and now I I demand that you pay me back for my bread. And you say, well, I will pay to you in installments. And if I don't have anything in that invoice, if that's the only document that exists between us, that outlines that you have to pay me in one go, I mean, that's an argument you have. It's you have an argument, I will pay you in installment, and I have nothing contrary that expressly provides otherwise. Or, for example, it's like, okay, fine, I'll pay it to you, but I'll pay it to you in one month. Once again, I don't have anything in the agreement that clearly uh, allows me to argue something uh, something of of different type. Uh, so this is and this is what we see often is the problem with traders. And the example I used, it's important because uh, for a number of reasons. One is that these kinds of invoices are quite prevalent, uh, invoices without sufficient level of details. Uh, two, the amount that I use is actually also quite uh, is is where a lot of the problems happen is because it's one one thousand dirhams. So if you don't pay me my one thousand dirhams, what happens? Uh, well, am I going to go to court after you? Well, no. But if I'm a trader and I have uh, hundreds of you, and so each one of you owes me a thousand dirhams, that's a lot of money. And if I don't, and so how, what am I going to do with, uh, with each one of you? I cannot file one case against all of you together. So I have to file a hundred different cases. Obviously that's commercial and not feasible. So therefore a lot of traders find themselves in that position where the, uh, the amount of the invoice is just not significant enough for them to justify going to court or in committing resources. And yet, this is um, how a lot of the industry is, is, is structured. And that is on these kinds of, in the, in the way, almost like a line of credit or credit facility. Mm. In other words, when I give you bread, I mean, when you go to the store and you buy bread in the store and you don't walk away with bread and bring money later, you pay money. But when I give you bread in our scenario, when I give you bread, I let you keep the bread without getting paid. So in the way what I'm doing is I'm extending your line of credit or some sort of a credit facility. And why this particular, um, I guess, example is, is quite um, pervasive in the industry here is because banks, we don't have many credit facility type service providers here. So banks don't offer that kind of credit facility. And so therefore... I, as a trader, that's my only option. And if I want to do business with you, I have to provide you with this credit. Now, you are a restaurant, so I know that you will sell that bread and you will pay me later. Uh, but but this is why when I sell you my bread, I bake my fresh bread or fresh baguettes or croissants. And, and um, then when you sell them, you pay me. Uh, so I know that you are in business, so therefore I allow for you to do it. And because I know that you, in in the way, have your own limited finances, and if you're not in the position to pay me for my bread outright until you sell it, then therefore that's why I don't demand from you the payment uh, right away. So that's kind of a very common scheme that exists in, in the UAE. Now, as part of this, what um, complicates things even more is that in that invoice, I didn't tell you what's my expectation of when I want you to pay me my thousand dirhams for that bread. That's one example. The other one was I tell you, you pay me in 30 days. Okay, so well, first of all, now I've given you my my goods without uh, without getting paid, and for thirty days I don't get paid. Let's say it's my risk. But what if you don't pay me after those thirty days because you still either cannot or you do not? <laughs> so what happens then? And what if you have me uh, pay me in forty five days, not thirty days? So often a lot of the invoices don't include uh, that level of detail in terms. Of, okay, what is what is the term of payment? Then what is the grace period? 
before perhaps a penalty is um, is accumulated. And what is that penalty? Is there a penalty? And then at the end, uh, what um, what happens if X number? You know, when is the dead uh, the deadline for us to um, uh, basically to settle our dispute or the contract is terminated, and I and I no longer have the obligation to to supply you with uh, with my goods, uh, and um, that's also another serious problem here is because traders are in business to always sell, right? So if you're trading, you're, you you need to be selling all the time. So what happens often is that the same trader will continue to sell, i.e., in our example would be me. I'll continue to sell you my bread, even though you didn't pay me. You didn't pay me perhaps one month. Maybe you paid me for three months and then you don't pay me for two months. Or maybe you pay me back for one month, uh, but you owe me four months. And so, but I want to continue the relationship with you. So I continue to, to give you my bread and not getting paid. And so that's another issue. And that is that in a lot of, a lot of cases, businesses do not have this sort of deadline. So, okay, listen, if you, if you owe me money for more than one month, I'm not going to sell you my bread anymore. And that's the other problem. And this is why how sort of this the debt accumulates uh, and uh, to the point of, well, maybe now it's not a thousand dirhams anymore. It's a, it's a 10,000 dirhams. So, so what you, the way uh, these issues can be uh, mitigated, it's really about mitigation of damages and, and risks and not so much uh, guarantees because uh, there are few guarantees in this life. Uh, so the, the different avenues or mechanisms that exist or are available to traders or businesses. Let's put aside the business relationships for a second, because those are additional ways of mitigating a situation like this. But what, what can you include on an invoice, aside from the details there, to make it over abundantly clear that this invoice is due at a certain point with a certain penalty if you don't pay at that point what do you need to do to to really get the point across well there are several ways of doing it but again it's much much in terms of how much flexibility or leeway you as a business have to insist on those terms really depends on your market share and your position in the business and this is what we hear from a lot of the businesses well i'd love to do it this way but they won't agree nobody will sign these agreements that being said so what, what would be sort of the ideal terms that you want to include i mean number one is that you want to make clear what, what that what the price because and you want the price to be very specific is it right. the price per per item or per batch or per shipment so you want the price to be very very specific then the payment amount do you expect the full 100 percent payment paid uh, or you accept installments. That has to be very clearly spelled out. Now, whether it's a one-time lump payment or installments, then you, the next one is that you get to very, be very clear in terms of when you expect those payments to start coming in. When, in other words, when they're due. Are they due 30 days after receipt or delivery? Or are they due upon receipt? But, um, but you have X number of days to pay before penalty. Uh, accumulates, for example. Uh, so I will tell you that in professional services, uh, what often happens these days, sort of the more standard, in particular, the more established businesses, uh, let's say when you issue an invoice, the payment is due upon receipt. Why? Because the service has already been provided. 
So the payment is due as per the agreement, for example, is upon receipt. But that doesn't mean that you have to pay me the following day. But if you don't pay me for, let's say, X number of days, then the penalty or the interest can start accumulating. But the payment is due immediately. So, and, and, but a lot of businesses feel that that's not, uh, that's, these are not common terms for them to do business uh, on here. And that's why they, not only do they not specify that, but they usually give something like 30 to 90 days uh, to pay. Uh, so, but whatever it may be, but that's very, it's very important to highlight or, uh, or clarify how that particular uh, arrangement, the timing is to be structured. So let's say if you're giving somebody 30 days, okay, so within these 30 days, you expect to get paid. What if it's 35 days? What happens then? Mm. Okay. And what if it's, so is, is there a penalty? A lot of businesses say that we, they try to include a penalty, but the customer will not accept the penalty. And then um, at some point in time, let's say if it's 60 days and you still haven't paid me, uh, there should also be a deadline for that gives you as a, as a business the right and I, can't, I guess the, even a legal right and also moral right to just say, I don't want to do business with you anymore. So, and that these things are usually not outlined. So, for example, I give you, I give you a grace period of another 30 days. After that, this is it. I, if Tim doesn't pay me, then I consider this contract uh, terminated and I no longer want to deal, to do business with Tim. That's not to say that you don't owe me that money, but at least I have no more obligation to supply you with goods. Uh, so that level of detail often is not, is not included in the contracts or in the invoices. And finally, and this is probably even more important, is that let's say even if you have all those details or you don't necessarily have the details, but let's say we're going back to the same example and I have hundreds of customers to whom I provided one to 5,000 dirham worth of, of uh, invoices. And one to 5,000, it's, it's not so huge to justify going to court but if I have a hundred of them, that could go to up to half a million dirhams. But I cannot bring one case. So what do I do? So the UAE right now, the local courts in the UAE do not really have what's perhaps another jurisdiction called as a small claims or a small claims court that would allow you to go as a business and say, listen, here's a thousand dirhams. I want to get paid. So there isn't really a system like that. It's, it's, we don't have necessarily, it's, it's, it's the same system as for all other cases. However, there are some jurisdictions within the UAE, such as in Dubai, for example, it's the DIFC courts. The DIFC courts, which is the Dubai International Financial Center courts, it's a, it's a specialized um, uh, court system within, uh, it's based, based on common law jurisdiction. It's within the civil law jurisdiction of the UAE. But it's an independent court, and uh, it's also an English-based court. So what we recommend to a lot of businesses and traders is to include the uh, the laws and the jurisdiction of the DFC courts to um, uh, for the purposes of their contracts or their businesses. In other words, uh, in our contract, I would say in the event of a dispute between Ludmila and Tim, uh, this contract is subject to the DFC laws and, and jurisdictions, DFC courts, uh, jurisdiction and DFC laws. Now, you and I have nothing to do with the DIFC, so you may be thinking, well, why DIFC? We're not based in the DIFC, we're not a financial institution, we're not even, uh, uh, we don't even do, do business in the DIFC, and we don't even really meet there. 
Mm, that's um, exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, <laughs> I can see. Uh, so uh, the, there is a law that was issued a few years ago now that allows in commercial settings, allows parties ultimately to contract into the DIFC, even if they have no relationship with the DFC otherwise. Which means that even though you and I have nothing to do with the DFC jurisdiction and we don't even go there for coffees, uh, we can agree in our contract that in the event of a dispute, we agree to deal with our dispute before the DFC courts. Now, the DFC courts within it has, in addition to other things, what's called a small claims tribunal. So the small claims tribunal in the DIFC is helpful for these kinds of businesses uh, for a number of reasons. One, and importantly, because it is an English-based court. And the reality is such that most businesses in the UAE are run in an English language. And that is even if um, the people that work for them or own them maybe are Arabic speakers, uh, most of the contracts, most of the invoices and all of the documentations are in um, in English. Therefore, if you were to take this dispute to the local courts, you would have to legally translate everything into Arabic, which is uh, which is um, time consuming and and um, and expensive, especially when you're talking about a thousand to to five thousand dirham invoice that you're trying to uh, to get paid. Uh, so in the DFC, small claims, you don't need to translate. It's all English. That's one. Two, the fees are a lot more uh, proportional to the amount uh, at, at stake. Uh, so it, they're really they're quite affordable because they're based on the amount of the claim. And then three is that, in fact, in most cases, uh, parties are not allowed to bring lawyers in. Which is great because let's say I live me, I only have 1000 dirhams to provide it to you, Tim, but you, Tim, have a big restaurant, restaurant group behind you. Mm-hmm. So now you hire lawyers and you go and you argue with me in, in, in court. And I only have, it's just me, right? Because I cannot afford to bring lawyers, nor do I want to bring lawyers for a 1000 dirham dispute. So the small claims tribunal, the purpose of the small claims tribunal is to make it very casual and very sort and, and, and less formal and more expeditious for businesses to settle their disputes, for businesses. And that's exactly what the Small Claims Tribunal is is, is, um, is kind of set up for. And that's to allow businesses, business to business, to um, to mitigate their differences and ultimately settle their dis- uh, differences. Uh, so this means that now all of a sudden I don't need to translate my documents into Arabic. I can do it on English. I can appear there myself with you on the other side. And the Small Claims Tribunal's objective is to settle disputes within two weeks on average, with the weeks to, you know, just maybe two months. Uh, moreover, moreover, they continue to introduce services that allow businesses even more flexibility to to address their disputes, such as, for example, appearing by video conference. So now you can attend the hearing by video conference. So let's say if you are now, if I'm a business and I am on my business trip or elsewhere and uh, or I may be based somewhere else, I can now attend hearings uh, by video conference. And everything's done online, so it's a lot more expeditious, a lot more efficient, and a lot less expensive because I can do everything myself. And because I'm not arguing with a lawyer on the other side, I don't need to be as formal. Uh, so, and because the uh, the court's objective is to dis- they resolve disputes within ultimately about two weeks, here we are. It's a, it's a perfect solution for businesses. For businesses who have small claims, small um, invoices, uh, don't have the time, the resources, or, or uh, interest in litigating or getting stuck in, in prolonged court disputes, uh, here we can appear and uh, in the, in the, uh, 
a, a quick, sort of convenient uh, and commercially minded forum to help us um, uh, reach our differences. Now, that's that's one obviously option. But the other option with regards to the same forum is that what if you don't show up? Now you don't show up, then ultimately the court will issue a decision um, in that abstentia. Uh, so, and um, since you're not there to present your case, and in most cases, since it shows that I gave you goods and you didn't pay, there isn't really much to argue, <laughs> uh, then there will be a court judgment. And that becomes a court judgment. And even though it's a DFC court judgment, then there is an MOU between the DFC courts and the local courts, in particular in Dubai, whereby the DFC judgment is, is um, with some a few administrative steps, is converted into a court judgment, into Dubai court's judgment, and then, and then on the basis of that, I can then uh, file for enforcement. And that means now, with an enforcement file, I go after your bank account and your company and whatever else. So... I mean, that's a bit of a rundown on, uh, rundown on how, um, how this process of litigating in um, the DFC, for example, would work for small businesses. And so because of that, it's a very convenient and a very efficient and therefore highly advisable scheme for businesses to consider including in their underlying contracts, be it a, uh, a service agreement that spans several pages or just an invoice that only has a few uh, items or a, f- a few lines at the bottom of, let's say, the table. Uh, but I would definitely highly recommend that businesses include that language in their, in their in- invoices. Uh, because it will help them ensure that their, uh, that their payments will come in a lot, um, you know, a lot more promptly. And I will tell you this is that often when you do have the DFC courts language in the invoices or in the agreements, the party is a lot more willing to settle the disputes without going to court. And that's because they know that there is an option, an, an inexpensive option, an, an efficient option to litigate their disputes and that you don't have to do it in Arabic. You don't have to hire a local advocate. You don't have to be stuck in the court system for a year plus. So because they know that, uh, then the the uh, the leverage is much stronger through the DFC courts. And therefore, in most cases, parties ultimately just decide to pay without even the necessity of going to court. So for the time being, to kind of recap, that's what we recommend for small businesses to do is just to include more specific terms in terms of when they can, uh, when they expect payment and what the penalty should be and when they have the right to terminate the agreement and stop dealing. Uh, and then also, more importantly, including the language uh, for jurisdiction and the courts uh, in, in the event of a dispute. Uh, now, there is um, there are a few other things that are important to highlight, and that is um, uh, that for businesses not to extend themselves too much or too far. And this is what happens often is that because I really want to stay in business, so I continue to sell to Tim my bread, even though he you're not paying me. And so this is more of a practical advice, not legal, because... Um, um, and, you know, legally, even if you have a perfect contract, but that continue not to rely or evoke those clauses in the contract, and I keep ex- extending my line of credit to you, then at the end, as a business, I become heavily burdened by debt, and that just leads to all sorts of risks and liabilities. So my advice to businesses, in addition to uh, fine-tuning their contracts, is to not um, not extend themselves too far. Now, there's one more option for businesses in particular, depends on the type of businesses, and it's to sign what's called an acknowledgement of debt. 
An acknowledgement of debt, it's an instrument that is actually now available to sign or register through in Dubai, it's the Dubai notary. And that's, let's say, Tim, I'm investing in your business, or I am um, lending you money to uh, make your own bread. And, uh, or even I am giving you some, um, some services or goods of a particular value, but I'm not getting the payment yet. Uh, so let's say I provide you with, um, uh, my services and, uh, and we know the value of the service is 10,000 dirhams, but you don't have the money to pay me yet. So instead of, uh, for example, or, or in addition to doing a contract, what we can do is for me to protect my interest, that we go to the Dubai notary and we sign what's called acknowledgement of debt. Acknowledgement of debt is that we sign an undertaking before the Dubai notary and there's a standard form there uh, that says, yes, Tim owes me 10,000 dirhams. So now we have the, I have this document, I provided you my services, and now you don't pay me. So I take this uh, acknowledgement of debt and I go straight to the enforcement courts in the Dubai courts to enforce it. So unlike a regular contract where we have to take it to the court and then litigate it in, in, in the court about who's right, who's wrong, how do you interpret the contract, what does it mean, and uh, and then be subject to the court of first instance, court of appeal and court of cassation, the three stages of the court system. Instead of all that, we can skip all that. And we and with this acknowledgement of debt, I go straight basically to the enforcement courts to enforce this. So this is a fairly new instrument that became available about maybe a year ago or so, uh, maybe a little longer, that um, still doesn't has that has not quite gotten as much awareness as perhaps it could or it should. But there's also that instrument that is available to businesses, and that's fairly inexpensive. The, the parties can go themselves to the Dubai notary, and it's, it is in Arabic, however, and then just have the, um, uh, the, the agreement or that acknowledgement of debt signed before the notary and use that ultimately as a kind of as a guarantee uh, in their business. Um, so, so there are a few options, and, um, and that's basically another one. Uh, the businesses can avail themselves off. And then finally, there is one more, and that is uh, depending on the type of business you're dealing with, it's, there is this, the consumer protection, uh, system where mm. for certain businesses, if you are not getting paid or if you continue to get, let's say, goods that are, uh, that are defective and you don't get a refund, you can file a complaint with the consumer protection department. And sometimes, and, and depending again on, on the matter, uh, in question, sometimes um, just a phone call or a message from them um, solves the problem. It's very often the case, though, isn't it, that before these uh, kind of last-ditch measures are taken, that the most effective form of credit control is somebody with the people's skill to talk to clients and to, by hook or by crook, get that money in. Those are the people you want to keep in a business. Yes, but you just uh, reminded me of an uh, interesting and um, an important part of the discussion, and that is uh, collection agents. So often what we have is from traders, a lot of the clients come with these sort of small invoices, they just so upset that they're not getting paid, mm-hmm. uh, and they're upset for a number of reasons, so in many cases just that they know that the their clients or customers continue to do business and stay in business and yet they're not paying them. And they just said, well, we want to hire collection agents because in other countries, collection agencies are quite, uh, quite frequently used and quite common. And so they'll, um, either hire those collection agents, 
uh, for a fee, or they will ultimately assign their debt to these collection agents and then let it, leave it to them. And then collections agents will <laughs> work in all sorts of ways. Sometimes it's just physical, physical kind of bullying. Um, other times it's just the becoming a nuisance and uh, just harassing by phone or messages and such, whatever their tactics are. Collection agents are not legal in the UAE. So it's not an option that you can legally avail yourself of. So therefore, that's whoever, if somebody is telling you, that being said, there are entities out there that say that they provide collection service and services, uh, but it's important to manage your expectations that ultimately, legally, had they have no power to do so. Uh, all the only thing they can do is just write letters, say, pay me, pay me, pay me, pay me, or pay the other party. But at the end, legally, they have no power to do it. And if they, uh, if they start harassing you, then you can even file a criminal case against them for harassment. It's good to know. Managing partner at the Dubai-based legal firm Yamalova and Pleska Ludmilla Yamalova. As always, thank you. As always, thank you to you, Tim. That's it for this edition of Logical Getting Paid. Sound legal advice from the UAE every week. Remember, lylawyers.com is always open and it's a legal information resource that's always free to use. If you have a specific question you'd like an answer to or you need a consultation, get in touch by clicking contact at the website lylawyers.com or you can WhatsApp as well. 00971 525 1611.